Welcome to another episode of the Federal Newswire Lunch Hour Podcast with your host, Andrew Langer. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Lunch Hour with the Federal Newswire. I am your host, Andrew Langer. Very excited to be joined by our guest today. She is a congresswoman from the great state of Illinois, the 15th Congressional District of Illinois. Her name is Mary Miller. She is a first-term member of Congress. And actually, I'm going to start here. I usually go down the road and and ask this later on, uh, but I'm going to ask it now. What's the the greatest difference when you were running for Congress? What's the greatest difference between your perception of what the job was going to be and what the job actually is? Uh, Well, I've been living in the real world, so um, I can't say that I had a perception. Um, But a couple things have surprised me. Number one is how much I actually enjoy the job. It's very relational, and I'm so thankful to have the opportunities to serve our constituents and then to stand up for Judeo-Christian um, values and our constitution, both in light of voting and in light of getting the message out to people. And I, I'm excited about the opportunity to inspire regular people to get involved at some level. Um, but I, the, the surprise that I've had in light of the job and you may laugh at me for this, is I cannot believe how the left lies without shame. Right. And sometimes I give a speech on the House floor, and the way that goes is you have to take turns with the Democrats, so I'll have to sit there and listen to their speeches. And there's just a spirit, I call it a demonic spirit of deception over our country. And the left is counting on the American people being bamboozled by their lies and disinformation campaign, but... Personally, I've really enjoyed the position and getting to know the people I represent are salt to the earth. Well, let's let's talk about this for a second, because I, I was talking with a, a former member of Congress. I attended the Independent Women's Forum 30th anniversary event uh, recently, and uh, an author named uh, Vivek Ramaswamy spoke. And, and we talked about, he talked about, this collapse of objective truth. And I want you to, to talk talk a little bit about this. You've been outspoken about transgender policies. I know you've been outspoken elsewhere. Uh, talk about the collapse of, of objective reality when it comes to progressive policymaking. Well, um, as we know, Marxists have taken over the Democrat Party, and their goal, in my opinion, is control and total transformation of our country. And I believe Barack Obama said it, that that was one of his goals. Um, But they're they're demanding that we deny reality. And I want to I want to speak up fearlessly to people and tell them we do not have to deny reality. Well, you so you're you're out on the campaign trail. I mean, we are uh, um, in the midst of the, the 2022 midterms. What are you hearing from your constituents? I, I know you you are in a in a heavily favored Republican district, but I'm sure you're talking to folks who are of a variety of different backgrounds and, and interests. What are you hearing from them re- regarding these issues? People are waking up. You know, the left is woke, but we're becoming awake. Yeah. And people are getting involved. They're running for county offices, school boards. Um, people are upset over the open border. Uh, the they think it's outrageous that the IRS is going to employ 87,000 more IRS agents to come after armed, my, mind you now, we're yeah. going to be armed 
to come after, they're going after taxpayers. Um, they're upset over defunding the police and they're upset that the um, radicals are taking over the education system and hypersexualizing their children. It's way too far for the regular Americans. Yeah, it gets down to this issue of, uh, of kitchen table issues, right? The, the stuff that, that folks are, are talking about. Wouldn't it be interesting if maybe if they took the money for those 87,000 IRS agents and they maybe funded another 87,000 police officers in places like Chicago or Baltimore or, or where, wherever you, you, you wonder about those things. It's interesting because your uh, family is a, a, a farming family. You, you, I believe you raise cattle. Um, found it interesting that there was that one uh, story that propped up with, you know, with the IRS training. And that wasn't a farming, but it was another sort of land, it was land-based businesses. Their scenario was going after a, uh, a, a landscaper who had uh, improperly accounted for his his truck. You and I both know that's what they're, they're not going after the billionaires of the world. The, they have lawyers to take care of themselves. They're going after the family farmers in, in Illinois' 15th Congressional District, aren't they? Yes, and it's interesting how, um, you know, they're going after uh, the people that make our country great and good. Uh, yeah. Parents, they've gone after parents. Um, they're going after the police. They've gone after our border patrol agents. They're going after law-abiding taxpayers. They're going after pro-life Americans. They're going after pro-life centers. So, you know, this, this is just radicalism, but they're going to lose in this next election. I'm 100% convinced, and we may not be able to move our agenda forward, but we're going to be able to to stop their agenda from moving forward. I believe Jim Jordan will be the next head of judiciary. Everybody should be excited about that. We're going to have hearings. Yeah. Let me, let me ask you this sort of, sort of shifting gears to, to talk about these things. Um, I almost lost my train of thought there. So, so um, actually let's, let's go, go here first, uh, Congresswoman. So let's assume for a moment that Republicans do take control of Congress. Uh, it's January, 2023, What's, you know, as far as you're concerned, what's the number one priority uh, of this new uh, of this new Republican majority in the House? Uh, to have hearings, number one, and to defund the 87,000 IRS agents. Right. I think that's going to be top on their uh, uh, agenda. But we need to get answers. Like, I can't believe that we haven't had hearings. We have not. Not one person has resigned or been fired over the disastrous Afghanistan withdrawal. Yeah. I've been calling for Mayorkas' impeachment for a year and a half. That It is outrageous what is happening on our border, and it's all deliberate. This is all on purpose. On purpose to destabilize America? I mean, talk, talk a little bit more about that. Um, I believe these are Marxists that hate our country. They hate our Judeo-Christian heritage and our values, and they want to fundamentally transform our country. So I was in a, a meeting the other day, and I want to get your take on this. Someone had a brilliant idea. I think, you, you know, I would love to, as I said, love to hear your take on this. So uh, we have an, we're going to have an NDAA, uh, National Defense Authorization, coming up. Um, what would you feel about, about someone introducing, as part of the NDAA reauthorization, uh, um, the ability to uh, federally criminalize the blocking of 
of uh, interstates, especially, you know, places like D.C., but elsewhere, in Chicago as well. You get these protesters who get out there, they block an interstate. Uh, interstates are there. They were created for national defense purposes, especially in light of what the Justice Department is doing with regards to pro-life protesters. What are your thoughts on this? Well, it's a good idea, but in light of the NDAA, first of all, we need to be negotiators. Yeah. And I don't think just we just need to approve whatever they bring in front of us. And the last two NDAAs that I voted on, um, that they couldn't have passed that without the Republicans because the squad never votes yeah. to fund our military. But we should have had a lot more scrappy um, aggressive on the offense, um, uh, working out of the details in that, um, uh, in the funding of that. If uh, well, first of all, I'm highly opposed to vaccine mandates and yeah. including vaccine mandates in that um, NDAA. They, they're in the process right now of discharging up to 13% of our military. Yeah. China has to be laughing. And we now know that that vaccine doesn't work. It doesn't prevent transmission. In fact, we now know that they didn't even do any testing to uh, prove that it uh, prevented transmission. Um, but I don't know, President Trump showed us how to fight on the offense, not just on the defense. And that's why I love him so much. I mean, now people are going to make a story out of that. I do love my husband, but... No, no, no. I, I, I understand, yes. I appreciate Donald yes. Trump because he fought for the American people. And it's really outrageous that we had gotten to a place in our country that he had to make a whole agenda out of make uh, about America first. Sure. Our leaders should have always been for America first. So let's let's shift gears. I, I know that that uh, immigration issue is is vitally important uh, to you or immigration reform and 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 having strong uh, protected borders. Um, and we've talked to a couple of members who have uh, who have districts that are down near the border. But you know, let's talk about the impacts on the 15th congressional district specifically in, in Illinois more generally uh, about you know unfettered, unrestrained open uh, the open border policy. T talk about that. Well, first of all, immigration has been, legal immigration has been a blessing yep. to our country. I have a son-in-law that came here uh, from Africa legally. and uh, But Americans have every right to know who's coming in and why. And the open border, number one, is causing problems for people that want to come here legally. They want to assimilate. They want to contribute to our country. Um, but Illinois, of course, is a, a sanctuary state. So... You know, they, they're, they're not under any threat to be here. I do believe that Biden is uh, trafficking the illegals into the red states in our country. Um, I've got friends that live in Tennessee, and they're just dropping them by the tens of thousands into Chattanooga. Even um, the, un, the whatever illegal underage minor children are coming yeah. in by the tens of thousands. And this is all their agenda for votes and sure. to turn the blue states red. But here in Illinois, I know, um, you know, they can sign up for all kinds of benefits. Um, they recently expanded healthcare benefits. Uh, they were getting healthcare, but now we can get dental, optical and psychological services. So sure. Crime pays. Illegal, coming in illegally pays. And in some places are getting guaranteed basic income, which, which, which incidentally, I mean, I want to get your thoughts on 
sort of the disingenuous reaction from Lori Lightfoot, the mayor of Chicago. I mean, you're part of the Illinois delegation. Um, it's a little disingenuous for Lori Lightfoot to be so uh, upset about uh, illegal migrants being transported to Chicago. What, what do you say to this? Uh, Lori Lightfoot has ruined her credibility with me, and she's a total joke. She can't take care of crime in her own school, in her, in her own city, or take care of failing schools in her own city. So um, I just hope that people will wake up and vote these people out. Yeah. So let's let's circle back um, to the issue of, of uh, reality. We can talk about Marxism if you want, but but the, the issue of, of transgender policy uh, had a long conversation uh, with a former member about uh, about that this is really a form of misogyny uh, in in the worst way. Talk about how this is impacting families in Illinois 15, but also you know women and girls generally. Uh, uh, talk about this. Yes. Well, my first bill in Congress was called the Safety and Opportunity for Girls Act. And what it was is in response to Joe Biden's executive orders, basically, he's trying to say that sex in Title IX was sexual identity. We all know that it was always intended to be biologic and genetic. And so my bill clarifies that. People are outraged and they're actually doing us conservatives a favor because people, that issue is causing people to wake up and to take notice on what is going on in public schools and how their children are being hypersexualized. Number one, um, this transgender issue is crazy and they're going around the parents. So it's an attack on parental rights also. And I could tell you the people in our district want, and I agree with this, local school districts should be allowed to represent the value system of the right. community. And people in my district, they want their children to be smart. They want them to be educated in the core subjects. They don't want them to be taught to hate God, their parents, or their fellow students and, and be bitter or to hate who they are or who God created them to be. And people are upset with it. And I'm excited because a lot of people are um, that normally would have possibly been passive are running for school board. Yeah, it really is all, all sort of happening there at the local. You're seeing that in, in Illinois 15, that the sort of folks are, yes. folks are, are waking up and doing this. Um, so yes. let me, let's turn our attention here. As I said, you're, you're, you're a farming family. Uh, there is a farm bill that is going to be coming up early in the next session of Congress. Uh, what do you what do you want to see in this farm bill? What do you not want to see in the farm bill? Talk, tell us all a little bit more about the farm bill. Yeah, well, I think we want to see, and, and this is a one um, bipartisan issue that I think we're all in agreement on, is we want to see uh, risk management tools available for the farmers. Um, you know, that's that's key. Um, also, the thing I don't want to see is a lot of the global agenda. It, they call it the Green New Deal. I call it the Green Bad Deal. <laughs> yes. um, I don't want to see the farm bill full of that. So, And in light of um, the food program, uh, I think that there should be reform. Everybody, all Americans, Americans are generous people. We generally love our neighbors and people that need a hand up and out of their situation. We are for that. There should be time limits on it um, and uh, work requirements around that. I think there should be more 
uh, accountability in the program. So, you, you know, you and your husband are, are, are cattle farmers and there are, there are twin attacks mm -hmm. on, on beef cattle, right? There are on, on, on cattle farming yes. generally, whether it's dairy or, or beef cattle, whether it's the anti-meat agenda or it's the anti-cow uh, emissions agenda. I mean, what, what are you, what are you, what have you and your husband been talking about with regards to this? It's a joke. This is, yeah. this is a sham issue. This is all about totalitarian control. It's part of a global agenda. We're not, methane gas is not a threat to us. Yeah. Um, they literally do want us to eat bugs. I know I saw where they're trying to develop a palatable mealworm burger. Yes. Um, have at it if that's what you want to eat. I'm not going to be eating mealworm burgers. And I guarantee you the elitists in charge are not going to eat right. mealworm burgers. But this is another thing. I'm not, I'm not trying to um, take advantage of my, my uh, platform here, no. but beef makes you strong. Beef yes. is full of nutrients. And the left wants us to be weak, weak physically, weak relationally. They're trying to cut us off of each other, turn us into enemies. They want us to be weak spiritually. And weak intellectually. So you, you know, you just have to look at the the ingredients of of one of those so called uh, Increda. I, I don't want to use anything by brand name, but one of these meatless burger products, and and the hoops that they yeah. have to jump through. And then you look at the you look at the the ingredients list of a of hamburger, and it's 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 beef. I mean, you know, it's it doesn't get more simple and, and lack of processed than that. Mm -hmm. I, you know, while we're talking about this, because we are, I, as I said to you beforehand, and, and folks have heard me say this before, I do want uh, our watchers, viewers, and listeners to get to know uh, the folks we're interviewing a little more. Do you have a, do you have a favorite, a favorite cut of steak? Um, I like a ribeye. Um, okay. My husband has a smoker. I think he's in love with the thing. He always cooks the meat. I do the rest of the meal and then sure. I enjoy my beef. So, but we had great pork chops last night. We, we eat a variety of foods, but there, there you go. I, I, uh, I, my, my, my brother and I do, uh, do, uh, competitive smoking. So I, I hear smoker in my, my ears, my ears perk up a little bit. So let's talk about this. So you have, as you said, you have, you, you, you told me before, so you got, uh, um, what, seven kids and, and 19 grandkids. That's gotta, yeah. that's gotta keep you busy in your downtime. Yes. Well, it does. People have their hobbies, whatever. If I can read a book to a child or rock a baby. I, um, when I, if I have free time, I'll go help a child, um, learn to read or, or spend time with my grandkids. But, yeah. um, child, I encourage people to get married young and have children. There isn't one state in our country that is replacement level birth rate mm. and young people don't want to have children. And I take every opportunity to encourage people our children are the greatest resource of our nation, and they give us hope. Yeah, no, I, I, I certainly agree with that. So let's talk about this. So Illinois' 15th congressional district, it's in the southeast portion of the state. Um, so if if I were going to go and, and, and visit Illinois 15, what are one or two of the places that I should uh, be sure to go and visit while I'm there? Um, well, I would encourage you to go visit a family farm. Okay. And just, you know ride in a combine. And in fact, I'm, I'll invite you down, come down I'll to Coast County and I we'll take you for a ride. And um, we also raise grain. We raise corn, soybeans and wheat. And, you know, many of our neighbors do. So I invite you down to that. But um, the other thing about my district is it's highly relational and we have lots of get togethers, either in churches, family get togethers, community get togethers. We even have something called gun saves lives meeting 
where we have um, meetings around the districts. Um, I know, um, you know, Coles County has one. They're, they're all over the district, um, but, but they're highly relational. We get to, um, you know, talk about the issues that affect us. And so anyway, I think if Americans would like consciously start to think once your basic needs are met, the thing that makes life so rich and um, valuable is our relationships. And I encourage people to invest in relationships. You know, it's it's funny. Uh, we were talking about this at the Independent Women's Forum Gala. Uh, Vivek uh, Ramaswamy mm-hmm. spoke, and he talked about how we are, you know, we 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 are replacing our relationships, or we're these interpersonal ties, we're sort of losing them and create these, we create these big holes in our, in our hearts and our souls where that is, that's pretty much what you're talking about, isn't it? I am. And also to, for the different generations to be mixing. That's one of my soapboxes Mm. is um, the older people can benefit from the zeal and enthusiasm of the younger people and the younger people in relationship with older people can, um, benefit from the wisdom and experiences that they've had. And I know when my children were growing up, I really encouraged them to make friends with the elderly. And, um, oh, they taught our kids skills like how to crochet or fix a clock, or they shared their World War II experiences with them. I mean, those are things that my children are adults now. They have that, the investment that the older person made in them. They've carried that with them for life. Yeah, you really, you really need those those skills. In fact, talk a little bit more about this this issue of practical skills, right? We're not we we're, we need to be doing more to teach our kids how to do things. Uh, talk about that. Well, I think a key thing is parents a lot of times tell their kids no, 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 you can't do that. But you have to have corresponding yeses. Um, sure. I know we raised our children without access to a television. Now we didn't live in a hole. We had computers, and we had a TV that we could turn on and watch for like a family movie or whatever, but our kids never had the access to just go flip media on or TV on. And they didn't have phones till they were older. Mm. And that gave them time then to learn skills. And I want to encourage people is maybe you're an adult and you think, well, I don't have that skill. My child's interest in mechanics or, or in hunting or um, like repairing a clock or something. Uh, Look around, you know, at the senior centers nursing homes, um, uh, your church, your neighborhood, there's older people that will teach your daughter how to sew or crochet or whatever. And it gives kids confidence to be able to know how to do a variety of things or to do something different that their other, their friends can't do. And honestly, it gives the seniors also an additional lease on life, right? It it helps keep them vibrant as well, doesn't it? Yes, definitely. It it, it has to. Um, One of the things, our kids sat at the feet of a lot of veterans who shared their stories with our children Mm -hmm. and it helped our children to um, respect their veterans and to appreciate the cost of preserving our freedom and the opportunities that we've had to pursue the American dream. And I know um, that's one of the reasons I ran for office is I want that for not just my children and grandchildren, but for yours, for everybody's children and grandchildren. Our country has been a city set on a hill. And, um, you know, we need to fight to preserve that. Let's, you know, something, because well, you, you bring it up, let's talk about that for a minute. You, I know your husband is a is a, uh, an elected official at the state level. Um, 
was, were you involved beforehand or did you jump in to, to, to run? And I don't mean that in a bad way, but did you decide that time was now, you know, to, to run? Uh, talk a little bit about that and talk about balancing the relationship between your husband being in the, in the, the state legislature and you being in Congress. Uh, this is a really good question. Thank you for asking, because I think it would seem strange to people that we're both in politics. If you would have asked me 10 years ago, five years ago, you know, or told me I was going to run for Congress, I probably would have laughed. But uh, this is what happened is our children mostly live by us, most of the seven of them and the grandchildren. And we still go to church together on Sundays. And they come to my house for old fashioned Sunday dinner. Nice. And about seven, eight years ago, one of our adult, um, adult children couples told us that they had realtors looking for them in Florida. They were going to join the exodus out of Illinois and we're such a close family. It really shocked my husband and me and it made us really examine what a bad state Illinois was in. And that's when my husband decided to run for state representative. And I was kind of alongside him in the whole thing. I'm an extrovert. He's an introvert. People were always teasing him that they, they got the wrong candidate, (laughs) but I was happy to be there to help him. I helped him with some of his, um, some of the writing he did and the post always up to date on the issues. And then when John Shimkus decided to retire, my husband and I were calling around to people that would have been a logical fit to step in the position, but nobody was interested in doing it. And I think Mm. because everybody knew that uh, we're going to, a seat was going to be eliminated in Illinois. People were more looking at a career than, you know, just the opportunity. And so that's when local people, um, encouraged me to run. They put up a lot of money in the first week and sent me on my way. You know, I won by 70%. Um, I've won. I think I've run a positive campaign both times because I want to stick on the issues. No human being is my enemy. So I always made a point when I spoke, you know, so-and-so is my opponent, not my enemy. And I'm running on the record. I'm running against the record. And I think next time, the next we're running out of time now before the uh, November election, but the next election, we need to call it fire the frauds. And we need to, in the primaries, really look at people's voting records and the direction they're taking us. I can tell you this, um, there's a lot of talk and not action to um, back it up. And I'm so thankful for groups like CPAC, Heritage, uh, Liberty score these places that score our votes yeah. um, because it gives everyday citizens a black and white um, picture of how they've been being represented. Yeah, no, without without a doubt, that's the it's the only way you can do it. Well, uh, Congressman Mary, Congresswoman Mary Miller, thank you so very much for joining us today. It's my pleasure. This has been the lunch hour with the Federal Newswire. I'm Andrew Langer. Enjoy the rest of your lunch. See you soon. This has been the Federal Newswire Lunch Hour Podcast, hosted by Andrew Langer. Check out the Federal Newswire's family of websites, as well as their social media stream, 